Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. Hour number two of Sports Talk Saturday. Joe DiBiase as well as Corey Griswold here on WGR. Um, Sal Capaccio had to bail on our 1230 uh, hit with him. So Bruce Nolan of Cover One is going to join me in about a half hour to talk some positional battles with the Bills, Josh Allen's contract, and also who he thinks the next guy to get paid is. And should does the answer have to be Tremaine Edmonds, as our poll would tell you. Um, Bills practice is going on down at the stadium. Um, looks like a pretty fun time. The players are wearing their game jerseys and the quarterbacks so it's the defense is wearing the blue game jerseys with white pants the offense is wearing all white but the quarterbacks are wearing red jerseys with white pants which they have never done in a game they have done red on red but they've never done red on white and i gotta say the red on white is a lot better they got the primary colors thing uh going there with the blues the reds the whites um I, need, I mean, it's fine. I want to see red jersey, white pants. The NFL should generally lighten up in terms of how they handle <laughs> uniforms and you helmets. Could have, so wait, you could have stopped right there. The NFL should generally lighten up. Is really, <laughs> I mean, like they're way too like, especially for a lot of jerseys that just frankly aren't good. Like they should let teams explore the space a little bit. Like really, we're gonna we're doing all this work just so the Broncos can keep wearing their crap. Oh, like, they have the worst jerseys like, in the this league. Is, so too. knock it, it off. Like no, we're not. Cut it out. If the Bills want to wear red in something, or like if a guy wants to have two different kinds of helmets, if the Reds want, if the Bills want to wear purple, they should be allowed to wear purple. Right. Like you only get to wear one helmet per year. Like why? Well, that they're changing, right? I, th- of course, it should be changed. It's a dumb rule. I think they are changing it. I think it's been, or it's either been changed or you can't inspect two helmets. Final approval or something. Right. Like the, how Honestly. long is it going to take to inspect one helmet? The guy can't do a second one right after it. Did Antonio Brown change his helmet like six times? Yeah. Who cares? Who, like, well, yeah. Like it's <laughs> just as long as they match the safety protocol. Great. Fine. Yeah. What? Well, we don't care about your stupid helmet. Right. Um. Jody Biasi, Corey Griswold here on WGR Sports Talk Saturday. 803-0550, by the way, is the phone number if you want to jump in on the conversation. We talked a little bit about the wide receiver depth in the first hour. I think it's pretty set in stone. I think it's going to be Diggs, Davis, Sanders, Beasley, McKenzie, and Kumaro. I guess if they keep a seventh, which could happen, then it does get interesting. Did I say Kumaro? Kumaro would yes, be in my did. top six. How many did they have last year? I th- think they had six. Kumaro would have been replaced by Andre Roberts, and Kumaro would have been on the practice squad for a lot of the year. Sanders um, replaces Brown. Hodgins was on IR. Right. Duke Williams was on the practice squad. Yeah, so I guess it was six. It was six. 
Yeah, so I guess that would be the same total this year. If they did go with the seventh, um, it would, to me, be between Hodgins and Stevenson. But those guys are probably better for the practice squad, even though considering they can be on the practice squad. Hodgins interests me a little bit because he also – well, I guess he did present something different from the rest of the wide receiver core, but Kumaro – looks to be the guy you would want on your team for contested catches. And he plays special teams. So he's kind of a perfect sixth wide receiver. I mean, Aaron Rodgers knew what he was talking about. This guy, he's not the greatest separator in the world, but he makes contested catches. He tracks the ball very well. He has good hands. He's a good route runner, even though he might not have the speed and the quickness to always be getting open. And he plays special teams. He's versatile. I think that's really all you want. That's all you want. So I like Kumaro as a lock at this point, given what he's looked like at training camp. Um, Stevenson gives you return ability and also uh, the the special teams. But if McKenzie's going to give that to you, McKenzie's your guy. McKenzie's a lock. McKenzie gives you so much on offense that I just would not want to trust to a six-round rookie right off the bat. I mean, he's their primary jet sweep guy. The pre-snap motion, giving it to him, having him throw a pass. Guy played cornerback at one point for the Bills in the finale two years ago. So, receiver to me is pretty set in stone. Running back... I think is probably set in terms of who makes the team, but I am very interested to see, game by game, how they operate. I almost threw Devin Singletary in that poll of who gets paid next. He's got two years remaining on his rookie deal. And he's been good. I think Singletary is a good player. The Bills just missed the mark, I think, when evaluating the different roles in their backfield. Singletary is a very good between-the-tackles runner. He's very efficient, but he's not a home run hitter. He is not good at catching the football. He's not a good route runner. He's never been a good pass-catching running back, going back to his days in college. And in fact, last year he graded as one of the least efficient running backs in the league with targets thrown his way. But the Bills thought he could be that change of pace back and not the the between-the-tackles first and second down guy. So they drafted Zach Moss, who plays a very similar role, in that you want him short yardage situations, running up the middle, pass blocking. Moss and Singletary, even though they do it in different ways, they are very similar backs. Matt Breida is a change of pace. Matt Breida is a good Darn good pass-catching running back. He has good hands. He has speed that the other guys do not have. He might be the fastest player on the Bills' offense. Who else would it be? I guess it could be Diggs straight ahead. But I think Breida has elite speed for a running back. He doesn't have a ton else to his game other than the hands. He's not the most reliable blocker. He's not the best between-the-tackles runner. He's not nearly the most physical back in the world. But he's got that speed. If you get it to him on a screen pass in open space, 
He can score on any given play. And that is something that the other Bills running backs do not possess. So, given that Taiwan Jones will be active on game days because of his special teams ability, and given that Zach Moss will undoubtedly be active every game this year because he was taking over that backfield in the back half of last season, I think you can make a real case that Devin Singletary should be in street clothes this season. That Matt Breida should be the running back game by game that is active as a change of pace back over Devin Singletary. And again, that's not meant as an indictment on Singletary and the quality of the player. It's just the role. I think Singletary is a better all-around running back than Matt Breida. But I think for what the Bills do, the running back position doesn't get the ball a lot in the first place. What do the Bills do with their running backs? They throw it to the running back less than anybody in football, and they run it with the running back less than anybody in football, including in and around the goal line where they give the ball to the running back less than anybody in football because they have two plays in around there. It's either you're throwing or Josh Allen's running it in himself. He's your goal line back. Right. So if I have a backfield that I'm not asking to do a lot of, what are the two things I really should care the most about? I think I should care about, one, pass blocking. Because honestly, that might be the most valuable trait to have as a Bills running back these days. And Zach Moss possesses that ability. You trust him as much as anybody, right, That next to Josh Allen protecting as a running back. Yeah. And what might be another thing you should care about? And limited touches who can create big plays. <sighs> and to me, Breida creates that maybe more than any other Bills running back on this team, especially to me, Singletary. Will uh, the running back be the difference between the pockets collapse and the pockets surviving long enough for Allen to deliver a throw without him having to move around? It could create that extra second. Okay. Because Allen can also create by moving left, right, right. and giving himself some space. Right. So it's the, the running back position is like that fine line because, like, yes, you're a great pass blocker. Here we go. Up, oh, Allen's out of the pocket, and now you know, you're no longer pass blocking. Right. Now those receiving skills are important to they, the safety valve and to get loose a little they bit. They are, but Allen's plan B often is running. Yeah. It's not dumping it off, checking it down to the running back. In fact, the running backs you see around the league get the most opportunity to catch the football. Guys like Naheem Hines, Alvin Kamara. The, I think J.D. McKissick last year was like second in the league for running backs and targets. Like Those were your top three guys. What do they all have in common? They had aged quarterbacks that were immobile. Yeah. McKissick had 100 targets with Alex Smith as his quarterback. Alvin Kamara had the most targets in the league for running back with Drew Brees as his quarterback. Can't move. And Naheem Hines had a monster amount of targets with Phillip Rivers as his quarterback. Allen, when he takes off, he often doesn't need that check down to the running back because his check down is, I'm going to run this for eight yards myself. It might not be that important then. I don't think it is that important. That's why this is, it's not, it's not that if it's Big not, of a take, I right? Guess. If it's not that important, it's honestly speaking, the running back position for the Buffalo Bills is just not going to matter all that much. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll get production when you want it to run it based on just situational aspects and whenever they decide to run the ball and what they call. Um, then which guy gives you the biggest bang for your buck? The biggest option for explosiveness, right? And that's why I like Breida for that because Breida, it might only be two or three times over the course of a year, but Breida to me is a guy that can take. 
those limited opportunities, and he can have an 80-yard touchdown. He can have a 70-yard touchdown where he makes two guys miss and he outruns every single cornerback on the field to score. And that's kind of what I'm looking for, right? Like, I'm looking for the boom. Because when these players are getting limited touches in the first place, I'll take those two, two, three big touchdowns a year from Breida if that's it. Because I didn't get that from my backfield last year. The Bills do not have guys who can outrun somebody to the house. They don't have that really in any position. No. Diggs, Diggs, I would say, is that. Diggs... Of course, he's so much better at so many other things. But you saw it last year against New England in that Diggs catches, remember, is it like a 5-10 to 10 yard slant over the middle of the field? And he's only got like a yard or two of separation between him and the Patriots corner, J.C. Jackson. This is in the Monday night game later in the year. And Allen t- or Diggs turns the corner and nobody can catch him. Straight line speed, Stephon Diggs, gives you that breakaway ability. But I think Breida is really the only other guy on the offense that I look at and think, yeah, he can outrun anybody on the defense, and he can score. So I think Diggs can do that, but I'd like to have one more player on my offense that possesses that capability, and the Bills have not had that in their backfield. Now, am I going to be upset like Corey just said? How big a deal is it? Because the Bills, like I just went through here, they use the running back position less than anybody in football ever. It's not a big deal. If Breida's the guy who's inactive, and Singletary is the one who is in. But it's a, it's a slight preference for me. The preferred option in my mind would be Breida game by game and not Singletary. Um, the other position I wanted to talk about, kind of the, the competition that's going on right now at training camp. Defensive end, how do we see that going? It's pretty crowded right now. You've got Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, still under contract obviously, Rousseau, Basham, Obada, Epinesa, Daryl Johnson. That is, did I just name seven guys? And how many are you really going to keep? I mean, five even seems like, five is usually what they do keep. So, try picking five right now. I think it's tough for me because I always thought Addison was going to be the guy that they, they got rid of. Because Hughes is Hughes. Jerry Hughes is such a staple in that locker room and as a leader. And look at Jerry Hughes. He is so safe right now because he is unique. He gives the Bills of a skill on their defense, their defense that they don't have otherwise. That bend, that elusiveness, that quickness to beat a left tackle with speed around the edge. Who are their other speed rushers? That silence is the answer. There isn't another guy like that. Everybody else plays a similar style. Epinesa, Obada, Rousseau, Addison, Basham. They win with their burst and they win with their physicality. They can push back any tackle in the league. That's how they're going to win. So to me, Hughes is obviously safe. Rousseau and Basham are obviously safe because they were just drafted. So that's three. Now I've got four guys battling for two spots. I've got Addison, Epinesa, Obada, and Daryl Johnson battling for two spots. Although, do you think I should consider Epinesa a lock? He was a second-round pick last year. I wouldn't. You would not consider him a lock? No, not in the gen- not simply because of his draft status, no. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if they did do that? I mean, it's I mean they, not with the draft they just had. 
Mm-hmm. They just drafted two guys, like, basically right near the first round yeah, I know. For, th- for that position. So, like, they're stocked there. Sorry, there's competition. So if that's what you're going to do, like, it would make sense to me that he might be on the outside looking in. I think the guy I almost feel the strongest about that I want on this team is F.A. Obita. He might have... The up, he might have upside as a pass rusher that nobody else on that list has. Hmm. He actually, if you go by the amount of pass rushes they had last year, F.A. Obita had the most sack production that anybody else on this team had. He had five and a half sacks. The same number as Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, but he played like half the amount yeah. that those two did. So I'd want to see if there's something there, but... I don't know that the math works for him. I think so much about specific because of where the Bills are. Like, what are you going to do when you play Jackson? What are you going to do when you play Mahomes? Like, when you get to the playoffs, who are you playing? So those mm-hmm. are going to be that you are going to have to get through those two dudes. If for some reason those guys are not in your way when you are in the playoffs, a miracle has transpired, and I probably <laughs> don't have to worry about it. But like. How are the guys you have on your roster right now able to deal with what those two guys present to you as problems? And so much of it is about containment. It's about, like, they're going, they're too good. They're going to escape from that first guy. So where's the second guy? Where's the third guy? Where's the fourth guy? Like, where is everybody on the field? Like, I'm like watching the Tampa Bay Bucks try, putting Mahomes into a problem was him evading one guy, and there was another guy there. And then there was another guy there, and they were constantly cycling people around to make sure there was always someone fresh that Mahomes had to deal with when he moved. And he was, yes, he was hobbled, but like, still, he didn't have the choices he was used to having to make. Mm. How do you make the choices those two dudes make harder for them than they normally have to do? So, can the defensive line as arranged now? Mm-hmm. present those kinds of problems to them where it's like, I want to do right. the thing that I normally do, but I can't because of those stupid idiot bills. That's <laughs> the goal for that defensive line this year. And the other, and that is absolutely the goal for this Bills defensive line. And maybe the key to keeping one more end that you normally would keep is does Gregory Rousseau present, present that versatility right away that he had in college? Yeah. Because in college... Many people, like Chris Collinsworth, I was making this point a lot, Chris Collinsworth thought Rousseau was better inside than he was outside. In fact, many people would tell you he was better inside last year. More of his sacks did come from inside last year. I looked that stat up right after he was drafted. I mean, like if um, you... Like 75% of his sacks came from the nose tackle position. Those are two gigantic people in Ed Oliver and him If you if they suddenly break out coming down the middle. Right. And that's what I kind of envision is... When it's an obvious passing down this season, when it's an obvious passing down, it's third and 11, and it's Mahomes on the field, who are the four guys you're putting out there in a four-man pass rush? I think my two inside guys are Oliver and Rousseau. Because if, if their wingspan is such at, at such a level and their, their athleticism gets them to a spot faster, you have reduced the time Mahomes or Jackson or anybody has to like escape, bust out. So, like, can you get a defensive end in a spot where they freeze for even, like, a fraction of a second to where normally that they can adapt in that fraction of a second? But because you have two gigantic humans, their arms are now within reach of those dudes now. And now they're getting pulled down or they're being hauled away instead of having a clean escape route that they normally are used to having. Right. Um, 
Rousseau had eight and a half sacks lined up on the edge at Miami and seven sacks uh, lined up inside. But his snap count inside was a lot lower than it was on the outside. Versatility. So, the Love versatility. I, yeah, like Hughes, Rousseau, Oliver. Well, we'll see, I guess, what Basham gives you. Yeah. Epinesa. Maybe that's not so easy. Maybe it's just a rotating door on that other one. But those three especially. And, like, what are you going to get out of the linebackers too? <laughs> right? I know. Well, Edmonds, for his position, is a very good pass rusher. Right. For a middle linebacker because of his size and speed. Um, so, yeah, like, it could be, It's I do kind of like the idea of that because I've been harping on the point for years now that, like, where's my franchise-dominant pass rusher? Where's my Miles Garrett? Where's my Von Miller? You might not need one if the Bills just have this army of pass rushers. Right. <laughs> just You could throw one after the other after the other at these guys. That it could work that way. It could work by its pass rusher by committee. Yeah, and I mean, again, you want to cause problems for the opposing team. Like we have to be prepared for like six different kinds of styles of def- of defensive pass rusher right now, and you it, because they're coming from all different angles at all different times in creative ways. It's going to cause problems for us because at any given moment, an offensive lineman's like, "I got to get Rousseau here." Oh, what? Not hit that that guy. Uh oh. And any kind of confusion in that moment buys you that extra second to get to Mahomes or Jackson and disrupt them. 803-0550 is the phone number. Bruce Nolan of Cover One is going to join us coming up next. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the defensive end battles um, and also Josh Allen's contract. We'll get back into that with Bruce when we return. Jody Biasi, Corey Griswold here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. for summer barbecues, road trips, working out, or relaxing poolside. There's even a tailgate rock station for you sports-crazy fans. Check out the new exclusive stations on the Odyssey app today. Sorry, just wolfed down a sandwich in the break there. That's right, dude's rocking, baby. Yo, Spicy, no, hot buffalo wing cheese. Not a good, not a good idea. When, you got it, <laughs> when you've only got five minutes to to eat, it's great. That, that's that you want to speed run through Just give that me a second. <laughs> my my God, well, man. So I'm doing intermittent fasting. Apparently not during the break. Not during the break. No, it actually it just ended at twelve thirty. Okay. Um, it's you. You can't eat anything zero calories for eighteen hours, and you have a six hour eating window every day. Okay. And I like it because you can still eat, like, whatever you want. Um, man, I'm dying over here. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Don't worry. I'm, com- I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But I've got a thing after the show today that i got to get to, and it's, like, catered. So I've got to eat during the show at some point because otherwise – and I'm starving, like, when, you, when you're, your fast ends. That's how fasting goes. Right. And, and, you, and I don't want to eat late and wait because then I'm going to have to eat, like, two meals, like, right in a row, and then you're all screwed up. But the wing cheese, man, was not a good idea. You not could probably talk to Bruce about this. Bruce would know. I probably could. Bruce, have you ever had this wing cheese that's, like, insanely hot? I'll level with you. I have never even heard of wing cheese until oh. you just now mentioned it. It's incredible. It, it is incredible. It's so good. So if you've not had it, it's um, 
certain cheese manufacturer that I'll uh, I'll hit you up with after as to not give some free promotion here. But Bruce Nolan from Cover One joining me here on the West Her Hotline. Um, Bruce, thanks for coming on, by the way, last minute. Uh, Sal had to bail on our appearance. Uh, the guys are down at the stadium. You're seeing these jerseys. By the way, I was talking about that earlier in the hour. Before we get to some real football, are you a fan of the uh, the red jersey on the white pants? Because I'm, I'm wanting to see that in game already. Absolutely, I'm a fan of it, 100%. And I think that really the biggest takeaway from training camp has been that the white face masks are beautiful, but also that we have a lot of great combinations that we could see as fans that would really kind of get the engine revving, and I think the red is absolutely one of them. All right. Well, how has training camp bet sounded to you so far and looked to you so far? We were talking about defensive end in the last segment, so maybe we'll start there. Um, after they drafted Boogie Basham in the second round and Gregory Rousseau in the first round, I, the number I always had in my head was five because that's often been the number the Bills have kept around under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. But I don't know, Bruce. It seems really hard to pin it down to five guys right now at that position. 100% the most interesting group, in my opinion, to see cut down day is going to be defensive line. Because I think that we all just kind of thought that F.A. Obada was going to be a piece of this team, and then they drafted Rousseau and Basham, and you thought, okay, maybe not. And then he looked really good in camp, and you thought, okay, well, maybe Daryl Johnson's the man out. But then he got a glowing review from Keith Farwell in his press conference. You thought, okay, maybe he's back in. Just where do you go with this? Like, where do you go? And I think that one of the initial conversations we had when Basham and Rousseau were drafted was maybe we need to start looking at this defensive line as one gigantic bucket instead of separate buckets for defensive end and defensive tackle, given some of the versatility that you have from players like Basham, from players like Obana, from players like Gregory Rousseau. Maybe they end up keeping three or four defensive tackles or maybe you know a number you're not expecting so that they can keep more defensive ends knowing they have the versatility to kick them inside it's going to be absolutely fascinating i have no clue where they're going yeah bruce bruce uh nolan by the way on the western hotline at bruce exclusive from buffalo rumblings um by the way food for thought debut last night with nate geary right yeah how'd, I, I, how'd it, it go really well man i was really excited it was i was really excited about it we had a great turnout um, All right. It was a little bit different because, you know, Nate and I are used to having a specific dynamic from me being on Sports Talk Saturday and then him being on my podcast. Yep. And now it's kind of like, well, he's not really leading the dance and I'm not really, really leading the dance. <laughs> We're just kind of sharing the dance. And yep. we have guests coming on and on. And it, I think he actually went really well for our first time. I think that there's a there's a level of, of comfort that we have, a level of chemistry that we have with each other. I think it's going to be a great show. I've been very, very excited. The feedback has been unbelievably gracious. So I'm really looking forward to Friday nights moving forward. All right. Uh, food for thought. Check that out with Nate and Bruce. Um, getting back to defensive end real quickly here, though, Greg, or uh, Bruce, just kind of to go off what you just said. I think whenever I think about like obvious passing down situations, and that's a big snap count over the course of an entire year, I feel like Rousseau is inside. If I'm just throwing my four best pass rushers on the field, I'm trying to disrupt the quarterback as much as possible. I think Oliver and Rousseau are the two I want in the middle pushing that pocket back, no? I don't see why you wouldn't. If you look at a lot of Rousseau's film from Miami, a lot of his success came from the inside. And I think a lot of people assume that because he's tall that that's going to be a problem. But he's also thin and he's agile. He's got a really good first step. 
So he can almost slither his way. It's a little bit like when a door is closing or you're trying to squeeze by your car in a garage. And you walk in and you go, okay, okay, I'm going to suck in my gut. I'm going to think skinny, be skinny. Think skinny, be skinny. That's a lot of what you saw from Gregory Rousseau in Miami because he's got that good first step and he can kind of slither his way inside there. And I don't think that the height is necessarily a disadvantage the way that some people think it might be if you kick him inside. I think that there's probably some comfort level there. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him inside and have – you know, Epinesa and Addison on one side, and you have Jerry Hughes on the other side. And then in, inside, you've got Oliver, you've got Rousseau. Your second NASCAR package, your second team yep. can have some players that kick inside like F.A. Obada. You have lots of different options of being able to get those NASCAR packages. You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes. But mm-hmm. those NASCAR packages, because as you said, obvious passing situations are a big part of sports right now in the NFL. And when you have specific teams that are just saying, listen, we're going to go too high to prevent a 50-yard pass instead of going one one high to prevent a five-yard run. Like, that's just not where we're going to be at. And so then because of that, you end up with a lot of running that ends up getting you into, you know, manageable situations. But if you've got a scout up front, you end up in lots of third and longs. And that's really the goal of the defense is to get you into third and longs. And when you do, you have bodies now and waves of bodies that you can throw at people. You look at Sean McDermott's defense over the years and the success they've had, it really hasn't been from a singular dominant pass rusher. It wasn't that way in Carolina. It was waves and waves of guys that they could constantly bring at you. And I think that's clearly what he's trying to duplicate here. Yeah. By the way, you feel free to make this answer as short as you want, but is AJ Epinesa, you think, 100% safe? I do. Okay. I do think Ebenezer is 100% safe. I, I think they wouldn't have him do the body composition changes that they did if they didn't anticipate a little bit of a learning curve for him. Okay. Um, I figured that was the answer. I just wanted the, to, to make sure on that because it, it would be stunning. It would be a bad look if you did that after one year. But this also seems like a regime where if they think they, – like they'll throw draft status out the window, but um, – I don't feel like they'll need to in this uh, situation also. Uh, Bruce Nolan at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter on the West Her Hotline. Let's jump over to the offense, the wide receiver position. I feel like it's kind of set. Does it feel like the the winds are blowing towards you've got your four locks and Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, um, and Gabriel Davis, and then if they're going to keep only two more and go to six, I mean – I don't know how it's not Kumaro and Isaiah McKenzie at this point. Oh, absolutely. I think that coming into camp, I think it was a lot more shaky than it is now. With the emergence of Kumaro and Isaiah McKenzie being the mm-hmm. first man up and being told that he is in the driver's seat for the return job, these two things together mean that I think the question shifted from who are those last two spots to are they going to keep seven? That becomes the the discussion because every single year it seems like with the amount of 11 and 10 personnel that the Buffalo Bills run, you think maybe they'll keep seven, but historically they haven't. So this year it became kind of a a foggy narrative at the very beginning, cleared up now with Kumaro and Isaiah McKenzie really, really stepping up. Now, of course, it shifts back to the are they going to keep seven? And if they do, is it Isaiah Hodgins? I think that becomes the more significant question Mm -hmm. as opposed to, is it going to be Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is an absolute stone-cold lead pipe lock at this point? Yep. And then Kumaro, you can't deny the reports that have been absolutely glowing come out of camp in regards to Kumaro. So 
I think that narrative's shifting now, and I think it's shifting from who are they going to keep to how many are they going to keep. Right. How about – I want to bring up a fantasy conversation kind of, but it's more – it's not necessarily a fantasy conversation, more of a Bills one, but – as someone that's very glued into average draft position around the fantasy industry, I've noticed that kind of as the offseason has progressed, Gabriel Davis on many sites has taken over Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders as the second Bills receiver drafted um, in many of these fantasy leagues. And his average draft position, I think on most sites now, he is the second Bills receiver drafted. Do you feel like that's right? Do you like what is the ceiling for Davis? Because I would imagine. What are fantasy owners thinking when they're doing that? Beasley and his his volume, his target share, is got to be pretty solid. But who's got the upside? And I think the fantasy industry right now views Gabriel Davis as a guy that has maybe this uncapped ceiling that we just haven't. We don't know how high his ceiling is yet. Does that does that strike you as being right? Like, is could this be a player that? eventually becomes a 100-target player because I look at Davis and I don't know that I see one flaw in his game, and I don't want to say no to him to him being a 100-yard, 100-target player. If this is a season-long fantasy league, I think drafting Gabriel Davis over Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley is a mistake. I think if it's a dynasty league, then I completely understand that. I think that there's a very reasonable chance that Gabriel Davis can be the 100-target player that you envision him to be. I really do think that. I do think that if the Bills were of the opinion he was absolutely 100% ready to be that right now, then you wouldn't have signed Emmanuel Sanders and said you didn't want to lose your fastball. Because they've had moments on other parts of their team where they have elected not to add somebody because they believed in someone they had. The great example, of course, would be cornerback two. They elected not to add anyone significant in that spot because they believe in Levi Wallace and they believe in Dane Jackson. With wide receiver, they did add somebody. They cut John Brown, not necessarily knowing if they were going to be able to land Emmanuel Sanders at that point, but they went out and pursued Emmanuel Sanders, who they've been pursuing for a while now. Mm -hmm. So I do think Gabriel Davis has the wide receiver two upside, but I don't think it's going to be this year because I think he's going to be capped by Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley in front of them. Now, next year, they're going to have decisions to be made because Emmanuel Sanders is on a one-year deal, and Cole Beasley will be a year older, and there's going to be some contractual things with Cole Beasley next year. So I do think Gabriel Davis has wide receiver two upside. I just don't think he's going to see that this year. And then finally, Bruce, uh, on the Allen extension, that was the big news of the weekend, $258 million. Um, Throughout the whole day, the process, I don't know, what was the most interesting thing you found uh, with Allen's extension? The most interesting thing to me was the structure because you're trying to figure out what's the norm for a quarterback contract extension now because you had Deshaun Watson's, which looked a certain way, and then you had Patrick Mahomes, which looked very different. When the Patrick Mahomes contract was signed, we were all like, what the heck is this? This is just weird. We have roster bonuses that get guaranteed the year before they happen, and they roll their way through. And it's a very strange, awkward sort of contract. It was extremely long. And then Dak Prescott comes back and signs a very traditional, straightforward four-year deal that is extremely player-friendly. And you start wondering to yourself, which one of these is normal? Which one of these is the market, right? Is Patrick Mahomes going to consistently stand out moving forward? 
as being kind of an awkward contract and other agents and other teams are not necessarily going to follow suit? Or is it going to be, well, Patrick Mahomes' contract is kind of the way we were going and Dak's a, Dak's a, a, a kind of an outlier because of the leverage he had over the Cowboys? Well, the biggest thing for me was Josh Allen's contract looks a lot closer to Patrick Mahomes' than it does to Dak Prescott's. And so I think this sets up precedent for other quarterback contracts. I think this sets up precedent for Baker Mayfield. It sets up precedent for Lamar Jackson. And I think that as you see quarterback contracts evolve, I think this is going to be the style of quarterback contracts, which are very different negotiations than a wide receiver extension contract, than a running back extension contract. You've started to see certain archetypes form when it comes to contracts. If you look at the Nick Chubb contract, and you look at the Derrick Henry contract, you think, okay, there's starting to be patterns that are forming in the running back contract marketplace. Well, now that Josh Allen signed this, my biggest takeaway is the ripple effects it has through what a quarterback extension contract looks like now. And I think that as it goes along, Dak's contract is going to look more like the outlier and more like a very player-friendly, not team-friendly deal, and more contracts are going to look more like the Allens and Mahomes contract. Bruce Nolan. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. Check out his new show, Food for Thought, with our own Nate Geary. Uh, Bruce, thanks again for hopping on last minute here, and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Joe, thanks for having me, man. There he is, Bruce Nolan. On the Western Hotline, we will take a timeout here. We are going to talk some Baltimore Ravens coming up at 1 o'clock with Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens. Is Lamar Jackson going to get more money than Josh Allen? That'll be one of the things that we go over uh, with Kevin coming up in about 15 minutes. Joe DiBiase and Corey Griswold filling in for Nate here today on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. Or with Odyssey's new exclusive stations. From cutting edge country to acoustic sunrise and even yacht rock and everything in between. Check out the new exclusive stations on the Odyssey app today. Guess what I'm uh, talking about a fantasy football trade with right now? You are talking about a fantasy football trade with NFL Hall of Famer Bruce Smith. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, Burt Reynolds, no. Nate. <laughs> He's dead! That'd be even more impressive. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, Burt, if anyone could do it from the grave. One, Burt talking to the dead. Um, two, talking fantasy football. That's not who I meant. I just got Burt Reynolds confused with Gene Hackman. Because he, he was floating not around dead. the other day because of a picture of him in, like, New Mexico. He's 90-something looking good. Yeah. Um... Am I the first person to ever do that? Confuse Burt Reynolds Hackman with Gene Hackman? Absolutely. Gene Hackman That's with Burt cr- Reynolds? Yes. Not, I can't be the first. Not at all the same dude. Not at all. They're actors from before my time. That, Everybody, okay. Everybody's the same dude. Yes. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's like football for that. Like Jim Thorpe and Johnny Unitas. They played in the same era, right? Even though they probably played 50 years apart. Same syllables? Jim Thorpe and... No, Gene Hackman. Oh, Gene Hackman Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Same, same syllables. Sure. I don't know. Um, no, Nate is who I'm talking about. Oh. So Nate is, he can't host a radio show. Can't host, he's, he's yeah. In, he's in contract, or he's in uh, trade talk negotiations right now. He wants Miles Sanders. Miles Standish, the, guys for, the guy from Plymouth Rock? Yes. 
Um, we had Bruce Nolan on the last segment. Some good stuff from him. Uh, he thinks Epinesa 100% lock. I think I'd probably agree. I did toss out an idea earlier in the week on the nightcap. Just to, like kind of the same vibe. Like I'm not saying this should happen. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, would we want to trade him? What are you gonna get? You're gonna get a second round pick. Back? That's the thing about. Nobody. There's only one. There's only one half of it that that makes sense because the bills. The, the part that makes sense is when you have so many at one position that are valuable, and that you're gonna cut someone to value. Well, what do you do? Trade one of them and mm-hmm. help you at another position. But the second half of that doesn't make sense here because the bills <sighs> don't really need anything. You don't really. So there's nothing you can spin up an for, I think, that's going to help you, which is why it dies right there yeah, because tra- what am I trading him for? Trading in the NFL is weird because there are so many dudes who just get traded for like third or fourth or fifth round and, picks. Yeah, and I don't want any part of that. Right. I'd and much rather have Epinesa. There's so much so. emphasis placed on draft position and what the draft pick is that it's just like it's overvalued in my estimation to a certain extent. Right. So like, I thought about cornerback. For this, but there's there wasn't a good. I looked around like nobody's giving you. I mean, an upgrade over what Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson are. If we were gonna do what you're suggesting, I think you trade him for another body. Where do they need a dude? That's the thing. I don't think they really need a dude anywhere else. That's why you don't. You just you don't even talk about it. Right. No. I just want Obada on this team. I'm very interested to see him. We'll see preseason. I'll see him in the preseason. Uh, and you know what? Like there are a lot of positions. Where you just, you can't evaluate the preseason. Quarterback, to me, is 1,000% that. Like, the offenses are so manila and not anything like what they are in the regular season. Yeah. And they're playing defenses that are so basic that you'll never see in the regular season that I just don't even want to evaluate quarterback. I think defensive end is one of those positions, though. Because on obvious passing situations, it's you versus the left tackle. Or you versus the right tackle. And let's find out if you could beat that guy around the edge. And find out what moves you got to beat that guy to the inside. Especially when you're trying to figure out like what you got. Exactly. They're doing the same thing on the other side in that situation. So you, you're probably right. on equal footing in those matchups. Right. So that's why I think among the positions you can really evaluate in the preseason, I think pass rusher is one of them. Which is why I'll be keeping a close eye. Maybe that's the only thing I'll be watching when the Bills are on defense. They should let other people coach. Like just how you have like <laughs> like Sean McDermott should coach during just, this. Just have like another like one of the assistants. Just like your turn to be head coach today. You get because the yeah, preseason. Yeah, like, let Dable to, do it. Yeah, you get to call plays. Frazier do it. Yeah, just do it around. Yeah, anybody. I'll have, do it. And especially like have the assistants call the offensive and defensive plays. Like have, have like offensive line flip flop. Right. It's, it's opposite day. Here's the, all right, Brian. You're calling defense today. Well, Leslie, be, you're that, calling offense. That'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be fun actually. But like have the <laughs> offensive line coordinator like or the wide receivers coach or somebody yeah. like the folks who you eventually want to move up in the standing of coaches like good now you go ahead and now you're calling you're calling the offense today you're calling the defense today there's no idea that i wouldn't try in the preseason especially in a league that that has such a hard time finding jobs for people of color right in the coaching ranks like you should create as many opportunities possible to get those people opportunities further up the ladder yep um, all right, we're late to a break. Let's take a timeout. Kevin Ostriker from Locked on Ravens is going to join me coming up next on Lamar Jackson's contract extension and what Allen's deal might do to affect that. That's right after this. Jody Biasi, Corey Griswold here on Sports Talk Saturday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.